All right, here I am reporting from over the road. Let's get on with the show. Keeping that hammer down all across the nation. Checking cities off his list. Sharing stories of the road right here on his station. You are listening to the Kingfish. Yes, you've tuned in to the Kingfish Radio Network. Mm. Expand your mind on the open road with Kingfish right here. All right, everybody. Another exciting adventure. Let's see if we can do this while blowing out the mic. This may sound a little different. I'm on the Bluetooth headset. And I'm in Oregon. Just dropped off the load. Let's talk about this week. Just going to give you a rundown, basically, this week. Pretty soon, this bid's going to be over. Each, each season is a bid. Each bid is a destination. So roughly between March and October, this year it's going to be November when the new bids come out, I guess. But anyway, here's the way it works. For the life of the bid, I'll do whatever it is. Now, season five or four was Bloomington, Denver. That's Chicago, California, Bloomington, California, Chicago, Denver, Chicago, and then I go home. That's a 6,000-mile bid. It's a rough week, but it's, you know, keeps you busy. It's awesome. Bid on Manel, which is during the summer, is a Portland. I just go back and forth to Portland. Generally, leave out Saturday morning. I'll be back Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday evening. Just depends on how traffic, freight flows, if there's any delays in freight, any delays in Try you know just whatever. Let me give you an example. Last week, left out. Now my co-driver leaves out because I drive from three in the afternoon to three in the morning. Co-driver drives from three in the morning to three in the afternoon. Okay. So here's what happened. I go. I load up the truck. I need a different truck every week. So I go load up the truck. Get everything all set up. Start to go to bed. Co-driver comes in because we leave at 5 a.m. I usually get there before he does because I live a couple hours away, so I like to get there early. So what he does, we leave out. Now, this is how good a driver I have as a co-driver. This guy's awesome. Okay. This guy is awesome. This car... We're in Chicago. We're leaving the Chicago area. This guy in front of me. You know, or in front of us. I'm in a sleeper sitting on the bunk. He's driving. He says, whoa, whoa. I look out the window. I don't see anything going on. And then all of a sudden, I see this pickup truck flying across the highway sideways. Straight through the middle of all this traffic. Smacks the wall. And then turns sideways, and then this guy just looks out the door, real stupid, real fancy-looking pickup truck, too. 
you know, like the kind of pickup truck that's like a, I don't know, like a, I don't know, some kind of weird showmobile or something. Like the guy did a lot of damage to it. See, here's the kicker. Bill, yeah, I'm driving one. So good. But he knew that guy was going to wreck his truck before he did. And he reacted to it before that guy even started skidding and losing it out of his lane. He'd already backed out of it, slowed down, got away from the situation, got away, you know, and then, because I was looking at, I didn't even know what he was looking at because I wasn't looking up when this all started. And then all of a sudden, bam, I saw that guy fly across the road. So he knew that that guy was going to wreck his truck before that guy even knew he was going to wreck his truck. That's what comes with experienced driving. A good experienced driver will see do that. I was very impressed. If I was driving, I might have done it myself. I don't know. A lot of times I know, and any experienced drivers will tell you, I know what the people in the cars are going to do before they do. I know when they're going to change lanes. I know when they're going to get off. It's you just see the same things over and over again. There's so many tells. So I was impressed. And later on that day, yeah, we lost a little time because we that slowed us down. We got stuck behind it all. Then later on that day, fog. Seriously heavy fog. We're talking like 30 mile an hour, you know, over there by Omaha. You know, the uh, yeah, the Omaha area. You know, hit serious fog. Okay, that lasted for a little while. That went away. Then we got over to, um, you know, the state line between Nebraska and Wyoming. More fog. So thick, I could barely see. Now we're doing like 35, 40. Nobody's going fast. You can only see a couple hundred feet. Finally get out of that. Get over to Wyoming Center, exit 173. Road's wide open. Beautiful night. No more fog. Switch out. Co-driver takes over. Now he's got a good, nice run. He had a little rain later on the day, but that's such a big deal. So that was how the week started. Lots of fog the entire week. Lots of rain. That's all it seems to be doing is raining these days. I've seen more rain this year than I've seen any other year. Currently, right now, I'm on I-84, headed eastbound to Salt Lake City from Portland. I'm in the construction zone. And I'm headed, I'm not driving. I'm headed to, um, you know, Salt Lake City. So we got to go to Salt Lake City. Hopefully they'll give us some freight. We'll go straight back to Chicago from there. That's what I'm hoping for. Is that going to happen? Eh, who knows? We can only go where the freight takes us. And if there's no freight, it ain't taking us anywhere. But that's what we're hoping for. So it's one of those kind of nights. So will I be home Tuesday afternoon? Eh, probably not. Will I be home Tuesday night? Yeah, I can live with that. Because then I got Wednesday, Thursday, Friday off. Which is good. Because hopefully it won't be raining. I got to take the cars in. Get the midlife crisis cars washed and waxed, put away for the winter, 
just going to put them away now. Weather's been so crappy. I'm going to put the Mustang away. I've got a 2000 GT Mustang. I'm going to put that away. Put it up for the winter. Drop the insurance. Then I'm going to take the key T-bucket. I'll probably run that until the last minute. But I can't drive that in December no matter what. Because it's a collector car. And I have lifetime registration on it. And you can only drive that so many months out of the year. But that's okay. You know, it's one of those deals. Now, here's the, here's the future of the show. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to try to stick with the Monday-Friday thing. Things may change up depending on what the next bid is. I don't know what the next bid's going to be. We're going to have to play it by ear. Also, I'll update the uh, mileage for the Polar Steps thing, how many miles we did on this bid. It's not going to be nearly as much as Season 4 because that was a Bloomington Denver. Now, when the new bid starts, that'll be Season 6. I just label them that way because it's easier to keep track of what I was doing. That way, when I look back on it and go, oh, yeah, I was on this bid or I was on that bid, then I have a better idea of where I'm at. You know, just, just, just for my own self. It gives me a little bit of, uh, you know, gives me kind of like a location in my head. You know, what, you know if, I were, if somebody asked me something. And pretty soon I'm going to start doing more stuff on the trucking side. Yeah, I want to do some winter stuff. I want to talk about more winter stuff. I want to talk about, you know, what to do if your truck breaks down in the cold, stuff like that. I don't want to get into it right now. I'll probably get Southpaw on here. He's really good with that kind of stuff. I still want to do a video of chaining up, how to do it properly, because I've noticed that whenever I chain up, I'll turn around, and there's five or six guys watching me, and I'm like, what are you guys doing? They're like, oh, well, we got to chain up, and, you know, we've never done it before. Can you tell us how to do it? I'm like, no. I said, I'll give you some quick tips, but I can't do it for you. I said, my company pays me to chain up. It doesn't pay me to chain up your truck. I said, I, you know, I'll help you out. I'll answer any questions you got. But I can't chain up for you because i got to get going myself. i got freight that's got to be delivered. I can't be, you know, I can't be doing everybody's chains. So I'll tell them how to do it. I said, Usually what I'll do is I'll say, hey, just watch me do it. I'll explain what I'm doing as I do it. And then when I'm done here, I'll come back and see how you guys did and check them out. That's generally what I do. So most of the time that works out pretty good. What it is is they're mostly really nervous about it. And I don't blame them. It's the first time you've done it. It's easy once you've done it the first time. But the, it's a little intimidating until you've done it. You know, it's just, uh, you know, it's just one of those things. But once you've done it a couple of times, it's no big deal. Is it something I enjoy doing? No, I do not. Now, in an earlier episode, I said you got to have your chains on in Colorado between September 1st and I think it's May 15th or May 31st. Okay. I didn't mean on the tires and trucks. Somebody brought this. In fact, it was Southpaw that brought this up. 
he said it sounded like I said you got to put the chains on the tires. No, you got to put the chains on the rack. You got to have the tra- chains in the truck available. You know whether they're in a chain box or they're hanging on a rack on the side or they got a rack in a trailer. And that's not just Colorado period. That's all on the I-70 corridor. Basically between, uh, I think it's Georgetown and, you know, Glenwood Springs or something like that. So basically, if you're going across I-70 and you're going west of, you know, Denver, you want to make sure you got your chains on, you know, on the truck, you know, hanging from a rack or hanging in a box. I, myself prefer a rack, you know, just a hook you can hang them on. I prefer that because they they stay, uh, they don't get tangled up on that. And, you know, you can inspect them better and it's easier to keep an eye on them. That's how I like to hang them on the truck. Some people like to have a chain box. I'm not a big fan of the chain box. But the chain box, it's just a chrome box. You put your chains in there, they're all piled on top of each other. They get tangled up. It is a nightmare. It is a nightmare to try to untangle those things. It's cold. It's wet. Uh, maybe it's frozen inside there. Whatever water's in there got frozen. Now these things are all stuck together. You know, it's just a nightmare. So I prefer a rack. These trucks I currently drive have a chain rack on the outside of the, you know, on the frame of the truck, so you can just hang them up. So what I do is for twin screws, you know, the, the three railers, three railers are chains that go across both dual tires. I just grab, you know, one, two, the two strands, and then I just put it on the hooks, and then, you know, two hooks, and then lift, set, lift, set, lift, set. So I lift from the bottom, set it up. This way they don't get tangled up. Single, uh, single railers, which is just for one tire, you'll use those on your, on your trailers. What I like to do for those is I put it on one rack, one hook, lift from the bottom, set up, and then just keep lifting so they're off the ground. You know, lift, set, lift, set. And then this way they don't get all mixed up and tangled. And When you go to take them off, they're a lot easier to get off. They don't get tangled. There's nothing worse than being cold and miserable and having to untangle a nightmare, you know, it's like a five-year-old braiding hair, the way some of these guys put the chains or hang the chains. It's just amazing, actually. It's just shocking to me how they do it. I can't stand it. It'll just drive you crazy. So that's something I want to talk about. Uh, the reason why I want to get Southpaw to do the chain of video, I'll show you how to cha- you know how to hang the chains. The reason why I want to get Southpaw to do it is because... A lot of the way I chain up, I learned from him when I was driving with him, and I think he does a great job. And he does a good job of chaining. Probably what we'll do is we'll be at the terminal, and there'll be a dolly, and we'll use a dolly to do it. So it won't be completely realistic, but you'll get the idea. Also, another good thing to do, and this is something to keep in mind, if you got to chain up, if you can't, take your mud flaps off. Throw them on the catwalk and bungee cord them down. That's what I do. The reason why I say that is because if the chains start flacking, they'll reach up, they'll grab your mud flap, they'll rip the sucker right off, and then you can get some damage done if they break. So the best thing you can do 
is pull the mud flaps off. And this way you can you know, alleviate that problem. Plus it's also a lot easier to put the chains on. Because if you're putting them on, the mud flaps are there, you're in your way. Take the mud flaps off the truck, a lot easier. So those are the th some of the things I want to get into. You know, also carry, you know, things like carry food, carry some extra water, stuff like that. Truck breaks down, you're, you're toast. <laughs> Bring yourself a sleeping bag. All right, during the winter. Truck breaks down, you can crawl into that sleeping bag. I know what you're going to say. Oh, but kingfish. The truck's heated. Well, that's great. Or I got the, the heating pad. Well, that's great, too. Except if you blow an alternator belt and you got no electricity, that heating pad is only going to run as long as you've got a power in, in the batteries. And if it's cold out, those batteries may not last for very long. Also, you know, you may not be able to idle the truck. What if you're running low on coolant? You know, and the truck won't idle. Or something goes wrong. Anything can go wrong with the truck won't idle. The truck doesn't idle. You lose your heat. If you got a sleeping bag, you can always crawl into that thing. So I carry a sleeping bag. I think it's very important. So those are some of the things I want to talk about. Now, I know there's a lot. People have thousands of tips on how to get through winter. Okay, just thousands of tips. And, you know, there's a lot of things that I do that I just do and I don't even think twice about. So, if anybody's got any tips, give me a call. 414-666-1926. I'll put the phone number in the show notes. You know. Call me up. Give me your tips on how to drive in the winter. I'll put a whole show together with different people's tips. Just things to think about. Now, you don't have to do this stuff. You know, do what works best for you. But if this is your first winter, be conservative. And remember, the road does not care how long you've been driving during the winter. You hit some black ice, you'll go flying doesn't take much you know it doesn't take much right now it's pretty nice out. let me check the temperature it is currently 56 degrees can't ask for better than that the Columbia River is off to my left there's hills off to my right this I-84 in Oregon is just beautiful just a beautiful drive day or night it's just a beautiful drive yeah it's one of those kind of places that if you ever get a chance come up here because you know it's well the drive is just so worth it yeah you see so much it's just beautiful up here you know you'll, you know between here and Salt Lake yeah you know, you'll, you'll go through Oregon it's so wooded it's just so nice and then you'll hit Idaho and it's, you know, Idaho's, well, it's kind of flat, but you got that Snake River Canyon, which is really cool. If you stop at Garden of Eden Truck Stop, you can walk down to the canyon, and the view down there is just amazing. Did an episode earlier on it. It's just a beautiful place. You know, it's super flat, and all of a sudden, boom, there's the canyon. It'll blow you away. 
And then, yeah, you get to Utah. And once you get to Utah, it's, yeah, you can see this, the Great Salt Lake off in the distance. And, you know, it's pretty nice. I guess that's the thing I like about driving. There, there are times when I, I must admit where it gets a little rough. You know, you're away from the house. Could really, you know, really bring you down sometimes. You'll miss birthdays, anniversaries, holidays. But then there's other days, you know, there's other days where the sun will come up and it's, you know, it's a, it's a sunrise and it's just this golden glow across the landscape and it's just overwhelmingly beautiful. Or you get a wonderful sunset. Or if you're lucky, you're in a, you're in a desolated area like uh, Montana or South Dakota, North Dakota, you know, even parts of Utah. Or right here, it's pretty dark. And there's a meteor shower going on. Oh, my goodness. When there's a meteor shower going on, you're out here in the middle, no one around you, there's no lights. And, you know, you'll see, just depending on which meteor shower it is, it might be a couple an hour, or it might be a hundred an hour. You just, you know, you can look all that stuff up. I think I'm going to start posting more meteor shower alerts in the podcast, in the news section. But, you know, that stuff is just, it'll just blow you away. You know, it's just amazing. Just amazing what you can see sometimes. And you'll see parts of the country. Well, for me, the USA. You'll see parts of the country that you never would have seen. Most people are never going to drive across Utah or the 84 or across the 94 over through North Dakota, South Dakota, or the 90 or parts of Minnesota. You know, like, I'll give an example, Minnesota. Over in Blue Earth, Minnesota. In fact, I should talk to Copy Man about this because I'm not doing that bit. But over in Blue Earth, Minnesota, there is the Jolly Green Giant statue. Yeah, this, this thing's like huge. I don't know how big it is, but it's huge. And they have a giant statue to the Jolly Green Giant in Blue Earth, Minnesota. That's the name of the place. That's the name of the town. Blue Earth, Minnesota. And you can see it just over the top of the trees as you're driving by. Now, i got to Google map it and see if I can get the truck down there because I'm not sure if I can drive the truck down by where the statue is. Then I don't want to drive down there and then find out I'm stuck. But one of these days, I'm going to get down there, maybe take a couple of vids, you know, talk about it. I think it's fantastic. Just fantastic. You know, it's a beautiful thing. A few car shows I want to go to. I want to do more car stuff. I don't know. There's so much I want to do. Soon, I'm going to start doing the, um, you know, start talking about our SS Badger trip. I want to do that with the Queen Fish. I'm sure she has a lot to add to it. It was a four-hour trip across Lake Michigan on America's last coal-fired steamship. It's a car ferry. The thing I thought the thing was beautiful. I thought it was an amazing trip. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, it was just a blast. Also, I want to, you know, I want to do the Pedway in Chicago. The Pedway in Chicago is this underground walkway system in Chicago that you can go from one side of the city to the other, basically. It's like 40 blocks. 
I think what I'm going to do is when I get stuck down in Chicago on this next bid, I, I don't have enough time to make it home. I'll go down to the train uh, cha- train station down the street, and I'll take the train down there, and we'll see what happens. You know, we'll, we'll take the GoPro, maybe and do some video and talk about the Pedway and see if I can find anything fascinating about it. I just think it'd be a lot of fun. You know, I, I got a, I, I experienced it once. I took the train downtown. I get stuck in Chicago. I just take the train downtown and just go walk around randomly. I don't usually have a plan. And I just check things out. And I get the biggest kick out of that. So what I want to do is go down there and do that. Except I want to map it out and figure out what's along the thing and see what's worth seeing. I think it should be interesting. Hopefully I won't get in trouble walking around with my GoPro because I got it on the gimbal. You know, I think it'll be a blast. Now, as for a video in the podcast, I don't think I'm going to do too much of that anymore. I may do a little bit here and there, but I think what I'm going to do, because it takes up, in the lips and account, it just takes up too much space. Like I did the the car ferry one, you know, go at the uh, Lake Express, and I had to dumb down the, 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 the quality so I didn't use up all my space. And when I put it up on YouTube and I put it on the TV, it looked really artifacty. It didn't look as good as the original footage. And that's because I, I dumbed it down and you know I went through lips and then passed it through the YouTube. So what I think I'm going to do now in the future, I'll put a dumbed down version. I disconnected the YouTube from the, um, you know, from the podcast. So I think what I'm going to do is I'll release a dumbed down version in the podcast by putting a thing up. But if it's anything high quality, anything that, that you really need to see, or you want to see like like car shows or something, I'll just uh, put it up on YouTube and I won't connect it to the show at all. You know, it won't be connected to this. It'll just be with the you know it'll be the Trucking with Kingfish YouTube channel. Not sure offhand what the link is, but if you type in Kingfish, it should pop up or Trucking with Kingfish. You know, something like that. You know, so that'll, that'll, you know, it'll come up that way. You know, I should put the same photo for this show as that. So anyway, that's what's going on. Not too much. Those are my plans. Pretty excited about it. Uh, the quality of this particular episode probably isn't very good because I'm going to do it on a Bluetooth headset into the iPhone. I'm not doing it at the house. I'm having a lot of fun with this. I want to do a bunch of more stuff. It's just a matter of finding the time to do it or arranging the time properly to where I can do it. And I want to do more video, but I'll put most, like I said, most of the video I'm going to put up on YouTube because, well, if you're going to do the video, you might as well put it up in the best quality you know, that you can. So if it's not connected to this, who cares? As long as... You know, if you enjoy it, you enjoy it. If you don't, you don't. Now, Jeremiah Craig, this is another exciting adventure. Jeremiah Craig, who does the intro music for this podcast and does the We Bob Taylor for Less song, 
he just released a bunch of shirts. You know, we bobtailed for last, and he's got some other merch. I'm going to put the link up in the show notes. Not this episode, because I'm not at the house right now. But I'll do it on Friday's episode. And if you want to order any of that stuff, I don't get anything about it. Uh, you know, I think the guy's music is fantastic. When you listen to Jeremiah Craig, you know you're listening to Jeremiah Craig. He doesn't sound like anybody else. And I like that. And his stuff's really enjoyable. The man's a storyteller. But, you know, oh, darn it, I did a butt. More money for the purse jar for the life. Here's the thing. You want to use your uh, any of Jeremiah's music for a show or whatever, or for a show you might be doing. Yeah, he does it. Just make sure you give him credit for it. And also, you know, maybe get a shirt or something. Say, you know, as a thank you. He just sent me a couple. I, I only had it. I picked them up, looked at them. I thought they looked pretty cool. I like it. Um, I haven't worn it yet, but yeah, I think it's pretty neat. I got to return something. I got to send him something. He's getting married this week. So, should we get him a fondue pot? Yeah. Everybody wants a fondue pot for their wedding, right? That's what we got to do. We got to send him a fondue pot. Isn't that the traditional wedding present? You know? I don't know. We got to think about this one. But anyway, that's what's going on. It's a beautiful night. It's clear skies. Clear skies. I can see the uh, stars. I wish I knew them better. I must admit, though, I love those meteor showers. Too bad there isn't one tonight. That would be something. But generally, meteor showers are pretty predictable. And they come through at yeah, roughly about the same time every year because it's the same meteor. You know, it's debris from a lot of it's debris from comets. And we go through the, the debris from that comet on a regular basis. The rotation around the sun. So it's usually pretty predictable. So there's apps that'll tell you when all that stuff's going on. There's one I use called Meteor Showers or something. It tells me what all the meteor showers are, and then it tells me, based upon my location, if it's going to be a good show, because if it's a full moon, then it's not going to be a good one, because a lot of them are going to get washed out. What you want to do is you want to be in the darkest area possible. You know, Lake Michigan would be a great place for that. Next year, I want to try to do... Another thing I want to try to do is I want to go to the Great, uh, great American Truck Show. You know, the big one down in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. That one might be a little tough to get to because it's my wife's birthday. And I'm not so sure she's going to be happy about that one. But, you know, i got to find a, a hotel with, like, a big massage parlor or a place like that or something and uh, see if she'll go for it. I'd love her to go with me. You know, they, they, you go to a place like that, there's hundreds of booths, hundreds of vendors, and it's just, you see the new tractors, and, you know, it's just really exciting. You know, it's a lot of good stuff. I used to go to the one in Anaheim, California, that's now in Vegas, and when I was a kid, and my uncles would take me, and my uncle Steve, I would just watch these guys do the, you know, the backing competitions, and things like that. My uncle Steve, who's Stargazer, I just thought, wow, man, these guys aren't anywhere near as good as my uncle. Because my uncle's just, he doesn't do those competitions, but he's just, 
it's it's like backing up to him is like breathing. It's like no problem. He doesn't even think about it. He just does it. I don't even come close. I've seen him do some blind sides that are just like, how did you do that? I can't do it. Honestly, I can't. He'll do it in one shot, and I think twice about it. I've been with him when I was a kid. He'd pull into a place, and be like, well, put it over there. It's kind of tight. You'll never get around. He'll look at the spot and go, eh, it's not a problem. He'll throw it right in there. No, no problem. And then the guards will be looking at him like, how did you do that? He's like, well, I'm a driver. I'm a professional. That's what I do. Nobody, nobody backs up as well as that guy. He's the best driver I know. I've never met anybody that was near as good. Well, I take it back. Doug, I ran with Doug back in season four. He was like that. Him and Steve, they'd be pretty close, I think. But I think Steve... No, I don't know. I don't. That, that's something I wouldn't want to bet on because they were both amazing. Yeah, Steve's just maybe with a 53-foot trailer. I bet you Steve probably would edge out Doug. But when it came to 28-foot trailers and dollies, I think Doug would nudge out Steve. I think it'd be kind of equal each other out. So that'd be kind of fun to watch. But you know what? You see these guys that are just so good. And you just think, oh, backing up a truck, that's no big deal. Well, you know, sometimes it can be a big deal. You might go to an older warehouse, or you go in the northeast where they're not really made for 53-foot trailers. Some of the spots are just super, super tight. Or one time Steve was telling me about, I should get him on here to talk about it. He was going into these warehouses down, I think, St. Louis, and they were old mines. And he had to drive inside this mine, this cavernous mine. And he sent me some pictures, and I was just, wow. It just looked amazing. You know, I mean, you really got to know your stuff in a place like that. I've never been to one of those mines myself. Yeah, it's not some place I've ever been to. I'd like to. I think it'd be interesting to go to some place like that. But I want to set bid. I don't really go to too many unusual places so I don't know but that's the nice thing about trucking you know there's something for everybody I'm not going to tell you the best trucking company ever who to work for okay I may say some places hiring pretty much all of them are but I'm never going to say one place is better than another there are some places I don't like but I won't say that one place is better than another for the most part because, you know, this is all based on, you know, what do you want to do? Flatbed, reefer, uh, doubles, triples, 53-footers, 48-footers. Maybe you want to do show freight, you know, take Broadway shows around, things like that. People do it. Maybe you want to haul cars. You know, maybe, you know, like I said, maybe you want to do the flatbed. You know, maybe you want to you want to be a local driver. Maybe you want to be an over-the-road driver. I'm an over-the-road driver. I do doubles. Uh, I used to do triples. I haven't done triples in a long time. But I go cross-country. Some people don't do like cross-country. They like to stay local. So there is no best trucking company. There's only the best trucking company for what you want to do. So if you can find a place that, especially if you're first starting off, 
that gives you some tips. You know, they have local runs, they have long-distance runs, and you can try a little bit of everything. That's probably the way to go. There is no best place. Really, the best thing you can do is just jump in, get your feet wet, you know, go from there, and then figure out what you like. You know, maybe you, you think you want to do local, but, you know, bumping the dock and dealing with city traffic is a pain. Maybe you won't like it. Now, when I ran with uh, the Indiana Animal, that was Nick Dixon. Nick was an over-the-road guy. He wanted to be home more often. You know, he wanted to see his family. This guy was a fantastic driver. You know, just one of my favorite drivers I ever drove with. He'd only been driving a few months, too. And I couldn't get over how good he was. It was just amazing how good he was. He was just a natural driver. So refreshing. But he wanted to be a local guy. And, you know, so he went to the city side. So he delivers in the city. I plan on talking to him also in the near future. See the difference between the city and over the road. I've never been a city driver. It's not my thing. I just don't like driving in the cities. Yeah, it's just, I just don't do it. So it'll be interesting to hear Nick's take on that. You know, anyway, it looks like I've really gotten way up here. I've been kind of rambling on, I guess. So I'm going to cut this off here. I'm in Boardman, Oregon, headed to Salt Lake City. I hope you guys are having a great day. You know, right now the weather's nice, but this is the time to prepare. You know, and before I go, chains have these cams on them. These cams are little cams, they're like little notches, and there's a little tool that fits in the cam. And you turn that, and that's what you do to tighten up your chains after you get them on. It's an, you know, so my suggestion is that little tool, get one. Don't wait, you know, until winter hits to go looking for one of those can tighteners. It's like a little L-shaped tool. Get one now. And also get a bar, about a foot long or so, that fits over that, that cam tool. The key, I guess it's like a, like a ice, you know, like a roller skate key almost. Get a bar that fits over that, the cheater bar. Because when you're tightening up your, you know, your chains and your cams, the first bunch ones are really easy and the last ones are super hard. And if you got that cheater bar, it really helps out because you want those chains as tight as possible. Also, and this is the biggest rookie mistake I see, always start tightening your cams from the bottom. Start at the bottom, and then work your way around. And then do the top last. Because when you're on the top, you got more leverage, and you're not at an awkward angle. When you're on the bottom, it's a little harder. It's, you know, it's, it's just a lot harder to, to tighten them up, the bottom ones. So do the top ones last. Do the bottom first. All right, we'll get in more into chaining as we go along. I'm sure we'll put up a chain episode. Somebody will call in or email me, kingfishcafe at gmail.com. That's kingfishcafe at gmail.com. And they'll give us some more tips on, you know, what they do to make life easier. Because there is no best way. 
there are only better ways to do things. So that's the key. Do, you know, and you want to be, you know, especially as we get older, because these chains are heavy, you're working on slick surfaces, you don't want to slip and fall, you get hurt, throw out your back, stuff like that, which I've done. Uh, not chaining up, but I've thrown on my back before at the house. Let me tell you, it's miserable. So that's why you got to have a good chiropractor. Every, every, uh, Every driver who's been around for a long time should have a good chiropractor. Lucky for me, I got one, and I'm hoping to, to get him on the show pretty soon. So anyway, this didn't sound too good. It's because I'm on a Bluetooth, and hopefully it comes out all right. All right, have a beautiful day, and I'll talk to you all later.